Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. There are 19 new members of the Welsh Parliament, and one of them is Sam Kurtz, recently elected as the member of the Senate for Carmarthen West in South Pembrokeshire and appointed as Shadow Minister for Rural Affairs and the Welsh Language. Uh, thanks for joining us this evening, Sam. Thank you very much. Thanks for the invite. So I think the, the way we normally do these, these one-on-ones is, is to ask, who is Sam Kurtz? Who is the person who got elected? What got you into politics? Gosh, now that is a good question. And it's one that you'd think after campaigning during the election that I'd be used, used to answering of who is Sam Kurtz, why politics? And, and someone at 29 years of age is on the doorstep. People tend to think that politics is for the older generation. Um, and there was a few comments of, oh, haven't you got anything else to do in your life while you're young and then come to politics? But actually... I was born in Withybush Hospital in Pembrokeshire. Uh, my parents are small business owners. Uh, my father's a farmer. We've got a small beef herd uh, on the coast, just south of Fishgad. So between St. David's and Fishgad, really, on the uh, in the Pembrokeshire National Park. Uh, my mum runs a holiday cottage business and a laundrette. Um, so I've always been around people who are busy dust till dawn. I've got an older brother as well who played a very influential role in my life. He's seven years older than me. So um, we were ne- while we were never at school at the same time, he was always that bigger brother who was off doing, uh, doing things that I was always wanting to do, even though I was that much younger. And one of those examples would be Young Farmers, uh, which is the YFC, which has played a huge role in my life. And my brother going off to, to the Young Farmers meetings and, and co- competing in the many competitions that they do from public speaking, drama, sports, and everything else. As uh, the younger brother, I was the annoying tag along. And for me, it was the best decision I ever made because school teaches you a lot, but I got a real education through the Young Farmers as well in how to cheer meetings, how to speak publicly, how to engage with people, how to share common interests, even though you may be from varying backgrounds. And there's a common misconception that the Young Farmers is just for farmers. Uh, But I can categorically say that it really isn't. Uh, It's something for everyone. And I'm a great advocate for it. And I think that might have played quite a large role in uh, Andrew Arty gifting me the Shadow Rural Affairs portfolio. So, uh, yeah, very grateful to that. But also in the portfolio is the Welsh language, uh, first language Welsh speaker. My mum is uh, born and bred Welsh, come uh, rice, as we would say, um, from Nevin originally. And um, my father, then his parents uh, came over after the war, um, hence the, the Germanic surname Kurtz. Um, so, yeah, Welsh speaking. And something that I'm really passionate about, I did a lot of Esteddfods as a youngster, uh, not singing, uh, but reciting. I'm not a singer. Uh, those Welsh genes weren't transferred onto me. But the Welsh language just bounds people in a way that is truly special. Um, and I remember reading a report that said, depending on the language you speak for a multilingual people, you've got slightly different personalities. And uh, it, it always made me chuckle that, um, yeah, my personality in Welsh is a bit more of the more countryside farmer, speaking Welsh down the mart, uh, asking how the cattle is, complaining about the weather. Um, so, yeah, the, having Welsh as a, uh, as a language is, is hugely important to me and, uh, and something that I'm really passionate about. So um, really pleased. But um, yeah, why politics? I studied politics at university with the idea of going into journalism. I'd always been intrigued by live broadcasts, by television. Uh, I was writing for the university newspaper and I felt that was a trajectory that I could get 
uh, could get really involved with and, and sink my teeth into. And politics was a means to to specialise to get into into journalism. Uh, however, while working at a local paper in in Pembrokeshire, the Western Telegraph, uh, I was reporting on a lot of what was going on within the county council. And some of your listeners may remember that Pembrokeshire County Council's uh, council featured in privatised Rotten Borough for some of its dealings with the previous chief exec. Reporting on this, I got really aggrieved um, because as someone who had, well, at that age, uh, early to mid-20s, I saw politics as some do, as a bit of a retirement club, especially local government, a retirement club for uh, a lot of people who many of whom were hardworking, but no longer had a full-time job. Their children had grown up, moved away. They were in their retirement years, and the council was something that they really enjoyed, kept them busy, but they were bringing a very single um, style and dynamic to it. And I felt, well, actually, there's a place here for young people. And I was really passionate about saying, well, I know my area, I know my local area, and I'm going to put my hand up and do it. And it was at this point as well that I started working for the local MP uh, and the political bug, as it were, really um, ingrained in me. And I and I just loved it. And um, I, yeah, it's the best decision I've ever made, actually, was to stand for council and stand for the Senate. I would recommend it to absolutely anybody. So that's a very brief uh, but um, scattergun look at me. Why the Conservative Party, Sam? I think it stems from um, my parents and the the way that they viewed the world. Um, my mum very much is a sleeves rolled up. If you want something done, go and get go and get it. No one's going to gift you anything. So uh, watching her set up her business, watching her have the long nights of sorting out uh, invoices, bills and everything else while my dad's out. He was out actually at half past 10 on Saturday collecting bales and, on an evening. And, and just seeing that, uh, that work ethic instilled into me a belief of you've got to go out and and work hard to achieve things and the conservatism in me sees that as not being gifted stuff and I don't mean disingenuously uh, on any other party but I looked at that as thinking right how can I contribute when I'm looking at becoming a politician how can I contribute and what do I want my area um, how do I want it to improve and it for me it was the conservative values of do enjoy the free market. I think there's a lot of benefits. Uh, capitalism more generally has dragged numerous countries into, into profitability and sustainability and is doing well. Uh, and that's where I saw it. And the rural aspect as well, obviously, is, is very important. And, uh, and I'm proud to be a Welsh Conservative on that basis because there, I do believe there's a distinguishable difference. But really, it came to a point at a, a seminar with a university lecturer and that we were talking about some political theory and, and debating back and forth. And it was only myself and another who were standing up for the conservative side of things. And then later on in the, in the semester with a one-to-one with the lecturer, he was uh, saying, so how long have you known that you're a conservative? And that was the first time that someone had actually said it to me face-to-face, so you are a conservative. I mean, it took me a little bit by surprise. And I thought, well, I have, in 2010, I did vote for uh, the conservatives at the general election. And I thought, well, yeah, I am. And that was where the trigger point for me, where I'd been told directly to my face, you are a conservative. And they were able to show me examples of how I did things within my university work to prove that. And it kind of went, yeah, yeah, I am a conservative. And I was quite proud of it. You stole my next question. Uh, you know, 
cleverly. The 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 fact you said this when you were elected as well. You said you're a Welsh Conservative. Beyond beyond the obvious, what does that mean to you to be a Welsh Conservative as opposed to a Conservative of any other kind? So I wouldn't say it's distinguishable to Conservative of any other kind. Uh, we share a lot of the. Um, I would say much ninety percent of our uh, political DNA with the Conservatives more generally, but for me, Welsh conservati- conservatism comes at things slightly, uh, slightly differently on, on certain aspects. Um, growing up in West Wales, where the Welsh language is long strong, where Welsh culture is strong, um, where community family values are very strong, there's a certain feeling on, in rural Wales uh, where Welsh conservatism is very noticeable and it's ever so slightly different to the conservatism of say southeast england uh, which people seem to generalize the conservative party as even though that that's that political earthquake is changing at the moment with results like Hartlepool. but um, for me it's um, it's someone who's proud to be welsh proud to be a member of the united kingdom proud to look at things in a through a spectrum of wanting to improve things, going out hard, working hard, but not in a way that is detrimental, but in a way that drags the community along with it. And the the community element of it, I think, is the most strong aspect of of being a Welsh Conservative in strengthening our communities. Uh, And I went to Sunday school and uh, through a chapel and in talking to friends about it, it's not saying that the the thoughts and beliefs of going through a Sunday school help determine my values. But I think there's that strong feeling of not right and wrong, but understanding why things are done, looking to do things well. And it's a very, sometimes I, 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 I fail to put a, a finger on it as to how I feel different. But then there are times where it is, it's quite clear that I think actually in the, in the context of Wales, We've got a slightly different, or I would say, we've got a slightly different view on on topics purely because of our our history, our culture, and language. Let's talk about how that interplays a little bit with the the recent election, Sam. A lot of people have said that the Welsh Conservatives went into the recent election with the message that everything was better in England. Do you think that's a fair uh, analysis of of what the Conservative message was going into the election? No, I don't think that's fair at all. What I think was uh, the message was that if you look at what happened, and this was an election that focused solely on the last 12 months, where very little was talked about pre-COVID in, in the election that's just gone. But what we were, key messaging coming out of the party was, look, other areas of the United Kingdom have been able to do this, that, and the other. We've been collectively uh, help, helped by being part of a UK treasury, which has had the massive borrowing powers, which has allowed us to furlough people, uh, allowed us to have the grants and to help businesses survive. Um, and we should not always play down the importance of the UK uh, at levels, especially when something so seismic as COVID and, and the pandemic is happening. And I can see why, and, I, and there was a lot of media reports on on um, sort of the old phrase of "for Wales, see England," which I think again was really disingenuous because there were times where Wales had done things differently, and there was good reason for it. the The biggest feeling amongst people, especially conservative voters, was that actually England were making a decision. England were going ahead and saying, "Right, we are going to be doing this," especially in the first lockdown and, and the easing. Wales would basically wait a couple of weeks just to see what England's results were of unlocking, and then follow suit. And there was that perception that 
hang on, you're just you're just waiting for someone else to make the decision for you uh, to see if it's okay or not. And it just felt that uh, there was a, a real frustration there that people were were feeling on the ground and businesses especially. You just look at the um, uh, the taping up of non-essential items in supermarkets. People really felt aggrieved by that. You can't buy children's clothes. You can't buy those non-essential items but that are really essential for some families. So that was that was the main part of it. But um, yeah, I, I do I do disagree strongly with the um, England does it better. Let's be more like England a narrative um, because I don't actually think that's where our party stands. Do you think the election? Was a, uh, was a success, though, overall, for the Welsh Conservatives? I mean, that seems like a silly question, isn't it? Of course it does. You've got loads more MSs and your vote share went up, but maybe it's, a, maybe it's a case of expectation management. I think everyone was expecting the Conservatives to do even better. What do you think? That's a very good question, and you're right. This is our most successful Senate election ever. We've got 16 members. We've won seats that we've never won before at Senate level. It's amazing. It's really good. And, and walking the corridors here in Tihuel, uh, with our new Welsh Conservative MSs. We are buoyant, we are energised. Even the returning member are energised by the new members here because it was a very different affair after the last uh, after the last election. So there is real energy there and we've taken uh, a lot of triumph out of, out of the election. But you're right, if you're looking at the expectations of it, had we won Wrexham, uh, as an example, would we have been better off uh, MS-wise Actually, probably not, because we may have missed out on the list. So we still end at 16. So if you use the targeted approach at um, at a constituency level, then it makes for a very interesting play on on the list level and and vice versa. Um, So it's an interesting one. And you can see that uh, the First Minister implied uh, uh, Labour collectively. They're looking at uh, redrawing the electoral system here in Wales and and increasing the members. But the, the list method as it were i think in the circumstances that it is i would say 16 16 to 18 would be our maximum sort of seats that we could win in the system that it is because we just where we could win a constituency we then lose out on a list and that would leave us in a in a precarious position with that in mind how do the conservatives break through and form a government then it, it, it has to be a case it has to be a case where you start taking constituencies off Labour in South Wales, isn't it? Or at least getting some seats maybe that you've held back, you know, the seats you hold at a Westminster level, like Regend or the Vale of Glamorgan or seats like you have held, like Cardiff North in the past. How do the Conservatives take where they are now and push that forward to, to start taking those kind of seats at a Senate level? Yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, breaking that red wall, as it were, in, in South Wales is key to that. And there will be... Uh, as every party does post-election, they'll be doing debriefs on how to strengthen messaging or what went well, what didn't go go so well. But if you look to target those um, those key areas in, in South Wales and look to win places that we've got at a Westminster level, uh, but you've also got the, the incumbency factor and the name recognition, I think, is really important at a Senate election. You can see that from uh, the members that were returned uh, in Wrexham and Vale of Glamorgan. It, it shows that actually knowing the individual on a slightly lower turnout and the five lowest turnout seats uh, where all Labour wins, it's motivating people to know that actually your vote really does matter in a Senate election. More so, I some would argue, than a Westminster election because a vote for the Senate election uh, votes for the policies that you want to see implemented for your child's education, 
your uh, your health service, how you get to and from work, the economy on a local level. So the Senate does have some real key day-to-day life issues um, being debated and, and policies being scrutinised. So trying to get that message across to voters in low turnout areas and showing that the Conservatives do have a, a programme for government, as it were, that can deliver change uh, is really important. But I wouldn't say that it's impossible. I think the pandemic, as we've mentioned, played very well into the First Minister's hands. Labour supporters were very um, supportive and energised by his very safety-first mantra going into uh, restrictions, etc. But we were still able to to win seats that we've not held before in Brecon and Radnor and Bale of Cloyd. So, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one, but far from impossible. I think this is the start of that journey. A lot was made before the election or during the campaign. Uh, of the 75% strategy, that if Conservatives could get 75% of those who voted for you in 2019 to do so again, you you may win the election. But that didn't happen. And a lot of people who voted Conservative in 2019 actually went back to Labour in 2021. So what happened? Why, why do you think these people stopped voting Conservative and went back to Labour? So I think the target 75 uh, was very ambitious. And I think had it been a normal election cycle and a normal 12 months into an election period, I think we would have been far nearer that 75% because your groundswell effort coming from volunteers getting out together in big groups and everything that can uh, cascade from that uh, would have been there. And the pandemic obviously stopped that. But in terms of keeping those Brexit voters, if we put them in uh, inverted commas, who switched from Labour to Conservatives in 2019, there was a single focus there of uh, Brexit, right? We need to get this done. Parliament's been been in a stalemate for uh, three years. Nothing's getting getting through. Prime Minister Boris Johnson came forward with a very simple, get Brexit done. Look, lend us your vote. Let's end this deadlock. Let's get on with our lives. Let's get this sorted and let's do that. And it worked because people were fed up of every time turning on the news, every time listening to the radio, Brexit was the buzzword that was always on people's minds, but it wasn't affecting people's day-to-day lives at that point. And um, people were beginning to become frustrated. Trying to replicate that simplicity of get Brexit done on the Welsh Conservatives' Senate election was difficult because of the, the age that we were in around the pandemic and the circumstances around that. But also that there's very little on a, on a sort of one issue topic around Welsh politics, Senate politics, around that, that could unify people. Independence, that is not on the radar with the, the figures that are out there. Abolishing, completely not on the radar. So there's no one topic that can unite people to say, right, this is what we're getting behind to, to forcibly force our way through and, and form a government. So it needs to be more nuanced. Uh, it needs to be more tailored and and it needs to show broader appeal. And I think by getting voters out that don't normally vote for us, I think what we need to do is actually just get voters out more generally. We need higher turnout. Uh, like I mentioned, the five lowest turnout seats being Labour, those majorities or had Conservative vote got out from 2019 to, to 2021, they'd look very different. Um, my constituency, for example, Simon Hart polled 22,000 in 19. I poll 11,000. So there's that 50, 50% split there or 50% difference. So there is that just little bit of voter apathy towards 
Welsh Senate politics, which frustrates me no end. I have to say it really does frustrate me. You, you're getting really good at guessing my questions, Sam. So I was going to ask you about not having, you know, lacking this grievance or this, you know, this cleavage that people could cling to saying, I want Brexit done, so I'm going to vote Conservative to get that done. Mm. You mentioned abolition. Do you think that if the Conservatives had embraced a more abolitionist perspective, they would have motivated more people to vote for them? Do you think that would have worked? Or do you no. think it would have actually backfired? You think it would have no, I don't, I, I don't think that would have worked. I think devolution is here to stay. Uh, and I've said that on national media, and I truly do believe it. We have a parliament here in Wales, and we need to get used to fighting Welsh parliamentary elections with Welsh parliamentary policies. If we'd have gone towards the, the abolish side of the debate, I think it would have weakened our standing as a serious political party in Wales. It would have focused us too easily on things aren't going our way, let's pick up our ball and go home, which for me is completely unacceptable. If you want things changed, you roll up your sleeves and you try and crack on and provide an, uh, an alternative. And just saying, rolling over and saying, oh, this can't be done, um, therefore get rid, uh, I think is, is just hugely problematic. But this is where, as we were talking about that single issue, people dismissed abolish. They dismissed UKIP. It's ironic that I'm actually sat here in T Hill at the moment recording this in what was a UKIP office, which is now my office, because we've taken over, not, well, not literally taken over, but we've been assigned offices that were that of the Brexit Party and of UKIP. And it shows that actually those voices, they may have shouted the loudest, but they were not the majority. And in the same same breath, it's, it's exactly the same with independence. Plaid Cymru do very well in well-speaking areas. But when it comes to the actual nitty-gritty, would people vote for, in, for an independent Wales? I'm sorry, but the appetite just isn't there for that. So it's it does feel disingenuous for... Pride Cymru to, to stand up and say, right, well, if things aren't going well, First Minister, will you be looking at an independent Wales in the future? And it's just like, hang on, you've not done very well in this election. People have rejected independence on the ballot box. Don't, don't try and get above your station too much on, on what, or don't try and feel like you speak for uh, the population of Wales because you don't speak for the majority of them. So the, the status quo, the, the somewhere in the middle is where we are. And I think Actually, that is a, a pretty good place to be in the grand scheme of things. So, yeah, hopefully what uh, I'm hoping in this next uh, Senate term is that there is just some sort of not grown up politics, but some serious political thought going into how to improve Wales going forward and how to work with the UK government, because I think it's really an, an ideal opportunity to say, right, Westminster, Cardiff Bay, what are we looking to achieve for the people in Wales? How can we do it together? I, th I think this whole, oh, they didn't tell me about this and I wasn't notified about that. For me, speaking to friends who completely aren't politically minded, that just think, they just think it's juvenile. And I think that we have to show that we are actually able to work together co collaboratively to improve Wales. You're a mind reader, Sam. You're a mind <laughs> reader. Because the next question I was going to ask is, what do you say to people who are claiming that Westminster is rolling back the powers of the Senate, that they aren't playing a fair hand. They're sort of stepping in where they, where they shouldn't. Do you think that's I, I true? Just, no, I, I disagree. I think there's no contradiction in, in the UK government spending UK's taxpayers' money in the four corners of the UK. I think that is a good thing. That's a healthy thing. A devolution wasn't, uh, to my knowledge, wasn't brought about 
to diminish, diminish, sorry, the role of Westminster, but rather to allow some more local decisions being made on, on key aspects, such as the health system, such as transport, the economy and education. But the, the, the might of Westminster, the might of the, the Bank of England and, and the UK Treasury collectively, Wales has a real opportunity to benefit off of this. There's some key projects, uh, and not just your, your, uh, your, your red ticket projects, but some key things in, in all corners of Wales that if UK government and Welsh government will actually, yeah, let's deliver that, it could be huge. It could be really beneficial. And it's just a case of because one's blue and one's red, that never the two shall meet and, and agree. I, it just frustrates me because the opportunity is there for everybody to win. It, it doesn't mean winning for the next election's sake, but winning for actually improving the economy, improving people's job prospects, improving the employability of young people because they've got more skills, because they've had more opportunities. It's, it's a case of a win-win. And maybe I'm looking at it too naively as someone who's just got into international politics, but I don't think that's too hard to achieve. What do you say to those who, though, you know, let's take the, the levelling up fund. What do you say to those who say, well, it goes disproportionately to conservative local authorities? So Wales and West Wales, especially the area that I um, I represent, has notoriously been seen as one of the poorest areas in the in the EU. And it's always been used as a stick to beat uh, either government in Westminster or Cardiff to say, why is this the case? We've been a member of the EU for X amount of years. We've had X amount of money, blah, 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 blah. Why are we still in this situation? So if the UK levelling up fund is to target those areas, um, including West Wales, which have sadly high levels of child poverty, high levels of relatively high levels of unemployment, then... That's fine. I think the whole, uh, what do they call it? Um, pork barrel, is pork, it? Pork barrel politics, that's it, thank you. You can show that I'm, I'm not a politician by, by trade. Uh, yeah, it just frustrates me as well. It's, if you could say exactly the same happens through Welsh government because of the agricultural policies, for example, that they don't focus any agricultural policies to benefit rural Wales because they know that they've got no votes there. So they can implement things like the NVZs, which we know are going to be hugely detrimental to A, the agricultural industry, and B, actually not deliver the environmental benefits that they that they say. So uh, yeah, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other uh, on that say, case. But if the money's being targeted to actual projects which can deliver actual benefits and improvements, then then I welcome it. Let's, let's go back to Brexit, because obviously it's, this week is five years since uh, the UK voted to leave. Um, it, is. it is crazy how quickly that's gone. Isn't I know. It? Uh, um, do you think that Brexit will continue to be an issue that impacts Wales? Do you think it will still remain a salient thing in the future? I don't think Brexit will be. I think Brexit was never a, an action. It was a process. It was never just a single event of five years ago. Brexit has happened. Click of the fingers. Thank you. It was always going to be an event and a process, uh, a process rather that just takes its time as we forge a, a new uh, relationship with Europe, and there will be some fluctuations in that, which I think is is only natural as as, uh, as the United Kingdom and the Europe, the European Union look to forge where their their happy medium will be in in future relations. I think the pandemic has hidden a lot of the major concerns around around Brexit in the definitely in the short term for better or for worse um so 
for example, a ferry terminal in my constituency going back and forth to Ireland, well, naturally, it was going to be a lot uh, less than any other year. And Brexit and the pandemic coincided to bring it right down to, to, to low levels. It is increasing now um, due to the sort of sorting out of the paperwork issue with, uh, with the Republic of Ireland and also as relaxations of the lockdown rules come about. But Wales, Wales is European. Wales is... Wales is culturally linked to places like Brittany through through things that go far beyond just membership of the European Union. But I think now instead of the, the example I give is with a local authority now in, in Wales, this is the first time, or in my, my constituency, this is the first time they've had to deal with civil servants in Westminster since they were established in 1996. That for me feels crazy, that they've been able to deal with the civil servants in Brussels over grant funding, but their own elected government in Westminster, they haven't had to deal with. Uh, and that for me, and it just shows that we're in a good place now. This is how the four nations should be looking to operate. And we are to take the Wales uh, football slogan uh, because we're doing so well at the moment, but we are stronger together. I really do believe that. So Brexit will continue to, to be a process, but I can't, I, I don't think it's going to cause the disruption that some had forecast as the pandemic has been there to, to quell a lot of our, those issues and, and mask them. Uh, and as we look to recover um, economically from the, from the virus, that's where I hope that a lot of those teething issues and problems with dealing with Europe, with trading with Europe have been ironed out. So we're, in a, we're on the uptick of the curve, as it were. Obviously, you come from a farming background, and I'm sure you represent quite a lot of farmers as well. Have any of them got in touch with you concerned about the, the new UK trade deal with Australia and how it might impact the industry? I can 100% categorically say not one person has contacted me with concerns about the agricultural uh, trade deal or, or the trade deal with Australia and the agricultural implementations. Uh, but what they have complained to me about is um, the agricultural white bill, NVZs, and bovine TV. They feel, I spoke to a farmer not long after being given the um, rural affairs shadow portfolio, and he said, the trade deal will be the trade deal. That is 10, 15 years. My farm could go under by NVZs in, in 18 months. That is my concern. Um, so the immediacy of those policies um, from, from Cardiff strike more fear into the agricultural community than the trade deal. The unions are there to represent the interests of, of farmers and um, the like in these discussions and, and represent their views on, on their beliefs around um, trade and standards, especially production standards, import standards. However, when you speak to a farmer one-to-one, that that's, that's the union's job to talk about that. I want to talk to you, they say to me, about the issues that are really pertinent. That is NVZ, TB especially in West Wales. However, we, we all know that a lot of people take their take their thoughts and what they think about from listening to the news and the more the Australian trade deal was talked about then the more that people were naturally talking about it but no one contacted me regarding the Australia trade deal. Sam it's it's been lovely to talk to you we've got one more question though and it's a, it's a nice stuff apart from obviously your shadow portfolio what will you focus on this Senate term and how do you think that Wales will be different by the end of this term? The one thing that I'm focusing on, uh, and it by, by by chance and, and by sad chance, really, um, after Christian Eriksen, the Danish footballer, collapsed on the football field, I was really distraught by that. Not because the the cameras stayed focused on on the image of him having CPR for so long, but 
I read then a, a tweet that the second best place to have a heart attack is in a professional football stadium after a hospital because of the care that you can receive. And Fabrice Mwamba is another uh, footballer who uh, suffered a cardiac arrest and survived. But sport is such an important part of Welsh culture. Surely we need to make sure that there's defibs available everywhere. Uh, so I put in a statement of opinion on, on commanding the, the medical staff and on urging Welsh government to work with sporting governing bodies, local authorities, charities, whomever, to say, right, if you've got a sports pitch, sports ground, let's make sure that there's a, a defib available. Uh, and I know Susie Davis did a lot of work around uh, CPR and the new Welsh curriculum, and Arlene Davis, the Labour MS, is doing a lot of work around his Welsh Hearts Bill. Um, so I'll be looking to work with him as much as I can and say, look, this benefits everybody. This is a policy that can affect everybody. But at the same time, I hope it never affects anybody in the sense that they uh, have to use the equipment. But knowing that we can bring about just that little bit of change um, would be it would be amazing. Um, so that's something that I'm working towards. How Wales will look differently in five years? Well, I do think that we'll have a very different uh, electoral voting system. Uh, I think that is a matter of when, not if. Uh, and I think with that would be increased members. I think it's completely the wrong time for that while we still come out of the pandemic. But the argument there is is being made here in Cardiff that Wales needs an increased number of, of members in the Senate to, to do its work efficiently. And that predominantly focuses around the scrutinisation of government and committees. In terms of the Welsh economy, I think, I generally do think if... UK government and Welsh government can work together as is being talked about and deliver some of these key projects in, in every corner of Wales. The Welsh economy is, is in a good place. It could be in a really good place in five years' time. Um, there's going to be concerns regarding the borrowing that's happened to, to fund COVID. But I think if we get our economy going, if we get investment in the, the right strategic areas and ensure that people have got homes to live in, people have got jobs to go to, um, then I think Wales would be in a really good place. And, and hopefully by the end of this uh, Senate term, Wales will be Euro 2020 champions. That will be really great. Well, hopefully by the end of this term, we've qualified for the, for the World Cup. Um, uh, absolutely, yeah, of course. <laughs> small, but, small steps. Small, small steps. steps, yes. Exactly. <laughs> um, Sam, it's been a pleasure talking to you. If people want to hear more from you and uh, find out what you've got to say, where can they find you on Twitter? Uh, so my Twitter handle is SKurtzCWSP, which is the same handle I use for Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, so that's SKurtz, K-U-R-T-Z, C-W-S-P, which is Command and West in South Pembrokeshire. Sam, pleasure. Thank you so much for talking to us. No, thanks so much for the invitation. I've really enjoyed it. And if you want to hear more from Heroith, please don't forget to find us on Medium at HeroithBlogCumry, on Facebook at HeroithBlogCumry, and on Twitter at HeroithBlog. Thank you for listening to Hereith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.